0: hello and welcome to the film comment podcast i'm violet luca digital editor today i'm joined by
1: ashley clark uh, author of a recent book on spike lee's bamboozled and contributor to uh, the guardian vice film comment and the wonderful reverse shot among many others
2: I like how we added wonderful there. I wonder why. (laughs) Um, I'm Michael Koreski. I am um, uh, one of the founding editors of Reverse Shot, and I work at the Metrograph Theater in New York, and um, I write for the Criterion Collection. I contribute to Film Comment Magazine and various things.
0: This week, we indulge in this delightful pastime asking the question, Who is someone that you feel maybe isn't primed for a second or third win, but sincerely deserves one? Something like Bill Murray did around the time of Lost in Translation and Broken Flowers.
1: I have, you know, I have a couple of ideas for that, but I just was interested in you you mentioning Bill Murray Mm -hmm. as somebody who was out of the limelight for a long time and then had a couple of really big hits and came back, but has since settled into a, a groove that's kind of seen him bound to a particular character type. Yeah. A sardonic, depressed guy.
0: But he was always that. Like, I mean, like, go- like that's what made Ghostbusters. But like, that's kind
1: of calcified into his public persona now, in a way. You yeah. Know? And, and it's something that I've, I find a little uncomfortable. And it's what, what happens sometimes when... Like with Matthew McConaughey is another example of somebody who was vilified and not taken seriously and then came back and had this kind of reconnaissance. Yes, and then suddenly the, the velocity with which that became self-parodic, mm-hmm. and now and now it's kind of gone too far. And you know, you see him in his the car Lincoln's. adverts, yeah. yeah <laughs> and it's just so it's interesting how that ties into public persona. Um, in answer to your actual question, um, the first person that popped into my mind was was Joe Pesci, <laughs> 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 who who um, I recently heard oh. at the All Deaf Movie Awards, oh. which was an, uh, Russell Simmons' answer to the Oscars. Oscar so white, hashtag, um, where he was voted the uh, the only white actor nominated in the Ghetto as Hell category, <laughs> <laughs> which, this is amazing. you know, I mean, not that I needed any more reason to um to nominate him, but... But he got the bump. He got the bump, <laughs> yeah. uh, but growing up, um, watching stuff like Goodfellas as a mm. teenager and Casino and having that kind of ferocious screen presence... And even in stuff like Home Alone when I was really young, um, going to the cinema and thinking, God, should I be watching this? This is hysterically violent. And, and he brought that really intense, manic presence to it. And he's someone that I've certainly missed from screens.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I, clearly, this conversation is going to um, focus on actors that we watched growing up That we, because of just the nature of this. It can't be anyone from far before that because many of them are dead or they're probably too old for a comeback and they've kind of gone on their way. And then people after the uh, the generation uh, that we're talking about are too young to deserve a comeback. <laughs> <perhaps>. <laughs> um, and we haven't, we don't have that deep seated nostalgia for them. So I have a feeling we're going to be talking about people that we really enjoyed growing up watching who haven't be fallen off the radar. My first one is Mary Steenburgen, um, who I just think is t- superb and is one of those very particular um, distinct homegrown talents. Uh she's uh, she's very she has a twang. She's from Arkansas. She um,
0: could you give a little context for her for young idiots who do not know her?
2: Oh, I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> um Mary Steenburgen was kind of omnipresent in the 80s. Uh, she was in um this movie called Cross Creek, which is a really beautiful film Alfre with Alfre Woodard. Um she got her start in uh, basically Melvin and Howard. I mean, she was in films before that. She was in Time After Time, which is a wonderful time travel movie with Malcolm McDowell. Melvin and Howard is when she won her Oscar mm-hmm. in a small early role, a Jonathan Demme film. Um, but she was just always acting in the 80s. Um, my personal favorite performance in a in a widely hated Christmas movie called One Magic Christmas, <laughs> one of the worst films to show a child because the messages in the film are so abhorrent however (laughs) she is really phenomenal it's the kind of performance that if you just take it out of this weird christmas genre and put it in a different context she would win an oscar it's just such an incredible she plays a scrooge type who has to learn how to love christmas again but it's so lived in and real and um she's somebody who i feel like could be given a kind of um like a sissy spacek almost type role like like a le- a leading role something where it utilizes her own particular southern brand of charm there's nothing phony about her mm-hmm. and i feel like as too often happens with older actors and certainly actresses um they're they're slotted into um these um cougar type roles as they get older and every time i've seen her recently she's been this kind of Said uh, the predatory older woman. It's just not Mary Steenburgen. That's not my Mary Steenburgen. <laughs> so hopefully, somebody will give her something she can really chew on.
1: And is there anyone that springs to mind for you?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, s- following on the 80s uh, ubiquitous female lead, I was going to say Sean Young. Because ah. she—okay, she's the best thing about Blade Runner. I don't care. Come at me. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. She was even good in Stripes, which is like I try. I, I had never watched that movie growing up, and uh, trying to watch it as an adult now, it's just like so gross. But she was um, most recently she was actually in a an adaptation of Frankenstein that was sort of an update of the of the original story, and it showed at scary movies. I did not see it, but you know she just has she has such great presence and such great uh, control over her face and her entire physicality, and it's just you know she. She's also still, I think, a very beautiful woman. And so it's such a shame that, you know, she's been out of the limelight for so long. I often think of this uh, Guardian interview that she did a couple of years ago, which is like half heartbreaking, half like, are you actually an insane person? Is, <laughs> Where,
1: d- this is the email interview yes. with with Danny Lee, a colleague. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's an incredible she, read.
0: Yeah. It's, half of it is her talking about how the industry has treated her badly, and there are certain instances where, you know, she talks about being, like, sort of blackballed by James Woods, and, it, you know, at the time that happened, it's like, well, of course, this woman is, you know, she's just a crazy woman, and then you see who James Woods is now, and you're like, oh, my God. Like- oh, yeah,
1: for the uninitiated yeah. <laughs> Twitter, James Woods, now. Oh, my God. Spend half an hour going through that <laughs> timeline, and you'll see... Um-
2: and also, for the many people listening to this who might not know what you're talking about, there was, like, a very controversial episode in the late 80s right they had been in the movie the boost together yes and then there and then she uh he had accused her of stalking him and yes. and leaving strange packages on the doorstep and all sorts of things but um i, I think it's a, a a rashomon type thing I, I i i no one really knows exactly what to believe but yeah. Uh, yeah as as time wears on i tend to believe james woods less and less uh,
0: yeah and then uh, i think also she was she had some friction with uh warren Beatty. She said, like, oh, he was very, you know, uh, inappropriate with me, et cetera, et cetera. Which, again, in retrospect, I'm going to go with Sean on that one, you know. <laughs> but uh, she said something that I think of a lot, which is um, when she talks about her career, uh, she said, it's like putting a beautiful racehorse out to pasture before her time and then after 20 years expecting her to be the same horse. And it's like, Sean, that is a horrible thing. And But I also think it's funny that you put beautiful before racehorse. Anyway.
1: (laughs) I hadn't thought to speak on James Woods today. Mm. um, But, you know, the conversations around art are are always, there's always a kind of element of separating the art from the artists and how we process that, you know, Mm -hmm. with constant recent revelations about much beloved public figures. But I do miss James Woods as a screen presence. Oh, totally, Um, You know, thinking of of the the intensity that he brings to things like Salvador and um, Videodrome, mm-hmm. Ghost of Mississippi, you know where he plays kind of racist <laughs> maniac. <laughs> so oh, suddenly, you look a, at that such a far walk. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to get sued, but um, <laughs> so I'll leave it there. But he, he's a you know a great a great screen presence and someone who brings that that wired wired quality to, to to roles that you don't see very often. It's a shame that he's he seems to have given up on that career path yeah. for something altogether crankier
2: i mean don't we all have our fantasies of being a, a, a more benevolent tarantino type where <laughs> we become filmmakers and we can do what he had what he has done for travolta yeah. and what he did for robert forster and all these wonderful pam grier great performances but you know it's 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 our our little treasure box of people yeah um i was just thinking of um this is not someone who Many people would necessarily think just needs a comeback because she hasn't really gone anywhere. But Emma Thompson, who I think is the greatest living actress, perhaps, (laughs) um, um, is someone who has kind of gone off into a different area that happens, I think, with aging actresses where the the good roles just aren't coming anymore. So you see her in kind of cheap supporting roles or nagging wives. She, she was doing that in that Walk in the Woods movie last year. So she hasn't really gone anywhere, but it's too bad that, we, that she can't have the same career tra- trajectory as, say, Meryl Streep, who is in this position unlike any other um, aging female actor where it just seems like she never has to convince people of her um, credibility and her success and her stardom she just keeps getting these great roles Whereas someone like emma thompson who is probably meryl Streep's equal and i think just doesn't really get these leading parts anymore and it's it's um it's too bad because there was that great run where emma thompson was in one great movie after another through the 90s so i guess i'm just nostalgic for the the era of emma thompson perhaps
1: you want to be her Tarantino? <laughs>
2: Yeah, give her something really juicy. I, I was here uh, at Lincoln Center to see this one-weekend-only Sweeney Todd performance, which was incredible, and she was uh, Mrs. Lovett, and I had never even seen her sing, let alone perform on stage before, and she just blew the roof off the place. She's just such an immensely talented, charismatic performer that I just you know wish we were getting at least one movie a year with her. One
1: of the obvious ones to, to think about is Analogous to the Bill Murray thing is what Tarantino did with Travolta in 94 with, with Pulp Fiction. Because obviously Travolta had burst onto the scene in 76, 77, and then had, I suppose, been in the wilderness for over a decade. Then post-Pulp Fiction came in to do um, Michael, Phenomenon, mm-hmm. and other such fondly remembered films.
0: Primary Colours. Primary Colours, yeah, of
1: course. Um, and is now doing kind of great things in The People versus O.J. Simpson. Um, which I I think really is the reason you've brought us here today to to talk about that. Uh, Courtney B. Vance as as Johnny Cochran is an incredible performance, which really ties into something that I was thinking about when I was looking at names and and people like Powers Booth came up, you know, a a great actor in Southern Comfort and Oliver Stone's U-turn. And I thought, oh, what's he up to? And then you actually look on IMDb and they're working solidly on television. Um, And and he's in... So many things, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Nashville, Hatfields and McCoys, things that I've never really watched, not out of any snobbish kind of disavowal of television, just that I've never had a chance to get around to them. So maybe he is doing great things on TV, but just not, again, in that slightly selfish way to, to, to come back and take a leading role in film and perform to the, the, the stature and size and scale that I, I'd rather he did. Um, and I think maybe that's just the thing with, with Travolta at the moment on TV that's a different avenue
2: yeah it's funny the john travolta comeback was so all-consuming back in the 90s that when he started to just kind of trail off and act in, he was in hits but they were kind of disreputable movies it's almost like no one noticed and then and then he just was part of he was just part of the culture and then just not taken seriously again and then he kind of went back into the um disreputable yeah. early travolta straight up disreputable part of his career
0: because there was a do you think Battlefield Earth was sort of the dividing line? <laughs> <laughs> Probably.
2: <laughs> I haven't thought of that movie in a very long time.
0: I think about it every day. <laughs> do you have someone else?
2: I mean, the possibilities are endless. Um, Truly. I have uh, someone who I hadn't thought about in years, um, but I was reminded of him recently because he turns up in one scene of Night of Cups, like many people do, <laughs> um, who is this German actor, um, Armin mueller stahl who acted for Fassbinder mm-hmm. and Lola, and then he was in one of my personal favorite American movies, which is Barry Levinson's Avalon. He was the lead in that. Um, and he's a truly magnetic, amazing actor, and he just fell off the map. Mm-hmm. And here he is in Knight of Cups as a priest, giving uh, one of the film's few sync-sound dialogue scenes. Uh. <laughs> um, and it just reminded me that he, he's somebody who nobody would ever, ever give a leading role to again the way barry levinson did in 1990 but that's again too bad because you know casting directors they're supposed to be up on the latest people and it's always about who the hot new thing is and you, you look at a woody allen movie and you know it's just he he works with the ca- casting directors every yeah. year See all with the latest exciting people are always in a woody mm-hmm. allen film but what about all of these you know decades worth of brilliant actors i mean every time a woody allen film comes out i'm like why isn't diane wiest in this movie I want Diane Weest in every movie. Why is she not in this movie? Because she works really well with Woody Allen. He's given her two Oscar-winning roles. So I don't know why he doesn't just write one role after another for Diane Wiest, but that's a whole other topic.
0: Well, it is funny because it's like you look at his more classic films like Crimes and Misdemeanors. He had Martin Landau in that. And it's like... Who would have in that at that time? Who would have thought of casting Martin Landau in anything? And he went for it, and it, it, like his role is he, his performance is such a vital, important part of that film. Or even you know, going back a few years earlier, I don't know how, because God bless him, Sir Michael Caine. How disreputable he is, or how great he is, just varies by the day. But when he was in *Hannah and Her Sisters*, it was like I don't. I think that might have been not a great time for Mike, but
1: yeah speaking of mikes yes transition master <laughs> <laughs> not not magic mike um s- uh, michael k williams yes it, it it surprised me sh- stunned me in fact i think that the wire is now 14 years old since its mm-hmm. first episode which is kind of incredible and thinking of the that what was then seen hopefully as a springboard from television to actual stardom i've seen michael k williams do Literally one scene roles in so many films now. It's yeah. become some kind of a joke. Like,
0: well, he's like the like the dash of flavor. It's yeah, like such he. Bullshit. I saw
1: a film recently, John Hillcoat's moderately enjoyable Triple Nine, and he pops up literally in one scene. He's in one scene in Inherent Vice. He's in one scene in The Road. He's in one scene in many things. Yeah, and he's someone who anybody who's watched The Wire would know that he's clearly strong enough to, to lead a film or to, to have a kind of significant career.
0: Well, he's, he's, in, a, he's in a TV show now. For he,
2: he
1: was in Boardwalk Empire, I movie. think. And
2: He's yeah. a, a co-lead with a white actor, of course, mm. um, in a new Cable show that I think is a
0: hit. It's Happen Leonard.
2: Hap and Leonard is the show with Michael Cable. Oh, he's. I thought you
1: said Happen <laughs> <laughs> and Leonard.
0: Happen <laughs> <laughs> and Leonard.
2: As you really want to hang I with this really guy. I wish. Um, it's, yeah, no, it's Michael K. Williams and and James Purifoy, who I'm imagining is doing an American accent because every show has to have a British actor doing an American accent. I haven't seen this new, uh, The Family, which has Joan Allen, another one of my Mm -hmm. selections of someone who deserves a comeback. And her husband is Rupert Graves. I imagine he does an American accent. I haven't watched it yet. I was watching, um,
1: Daredevil, an episode of Daredevil the other day and a guy in that called... Charlie Cox, who is another English guy doing an American accent, it's become a, a real epidemic.
0: Well, they're cheap.
1: They are cheap. <laughs> they're cheap. Next week I'll be talking in <laughs> American accent on here. <laughs> it's what's um, Jeffrey Wright up to? Oh, good question. Another one. Um, you watch him in things like Angels in America, and um, Jean, uh, the Jean Michel Basquiat biopic. And he's, you know, he pops up from time to time in Jim Jarmusch movies, Broken Flowers, which you mentioned earlier. He was great and,
2: in Syriana, which is a yeah. movie that I, don't, I didn't like that much, but every time he was on screen, I'm just, he never pushes. He's just such a brilliant, subtle actor. Angels on America is a great, great performance.
1: Like a lot of actors, he does the, uh, I think he's in the Hunger Games movies. You know, they kind of, they go on the franchise thing. and I just and made a sad
2: face, everybody. They
1: work. Uh, you know, they're working. When I was on here before, we talked about Samuel L. Jackson, who is constantly working. And sometimes you think the sheer volume of stuff he puts out obscures how good he really can be. Um, so, yeah, Jeffrey Wright's certainly someone that, that came to mind. It would be wonderful for him to
2: to, to get that big Oscar-winning role you know, in a big epic, historical epic. It would be nice, but there are so many Brie Larson's nipping at his heels, mm. um, who I like very much, but it's just it's always funny when you know the latest ingenue wins an oscar at age 23 it's always women
1: jennifer lawrence times three
2: right i just thought of somebody who i loved somebody who um had got an oscar nomination for her first major film uh when she was very young and then um had a couple of years where she was doing really good stuff and then disappeared juliette lewis who mm. also uh who i was happy to see a couple of years ago in august osage county not a great movie at all but when she's on screen, she's she's hypnotic, as always. I really miss her. I think she brought something kind of authentic to her roles that you don't really see a lot.
0: Because I had never seen it before. I watched Old School last weekend. She's great in that. Even oh, I didn't know she was in that. She is. She's like the nymphomaniac girlfriend. Oh, God, of course. That inaugurates this crisis of masculinity and Uh, luke wilson has to move into a frat house and get his groove back or something i I
2: think you're proving my point (laughs) Juliet lewis needs some good roles
0: (laughs) i know well she was also in this horrible movie i saw at um south by southwest 2014 where she's like a right like an ex riot girl and then she like befriends this neighbor boy who's paralyzed and then it just falls into this just and it was it was a film made by a written and directed by a woman and it just fell into every terrible stereotype of, like, male wish fulfillment.
2: I think also one of the things, when when I think about Juliette Lewis specifically, one of the reasons that so many people, um, so many actors um, have really great um, early years in their careers when they're hot and then they kind of trail off is that they're working with really good filmmakers. Juliette yeah. Lewis, was she went from Martin Scorsese to Woody Allen to Oliver Stone in her first year or two, basically. And um, if, you know, you don't have filmmakers like that giving her well-written roles, then it's, you know, probably hard to find good material.
1: My mind was stuck on Inherent Vice because it had such a giant cast. And someone who was, I think, pops up in it is Martin Donovan from the Hal Hartley movies. And he's someone else, maybe who could do do a Bill Murray and, and take on that kind of older statesman, sardonic, dry, kind of handsome, older gent kind of roles. Um, I always used to... L- he's in The Unbelievable Truth and Amateur with Isabelle Huppert, which I think he's fantastic in. Um, so he's he's another person that I, I would like to see back on screens.
2: And I like him a lot in The Portrait of a Lady, Jane Campion's Henry James adaptation. Um, a film that's a little uneven and has some uneven performances and casting. Though that actually contained a great comeback performance by Barbara Hershey, mm-hmm. um, who then, I guess, disappeared again for a while. And she turns up in horror movies, which happens so often also with older actors. And what about Holly Hunter? Well, I mean, I I, I love her so much I can't even talk about her. <laughs> um
0: well, she's now <laughs> she's in uh, the big the big uh, crash explosion movie, Batman versus Superman. Is she really? Yes, she's like the uh, she. <laughs> I'm gonna die. She leads. She's she's the senator who leads the investigation against Superman.
1: Wow. Okay, because okay. I was thinking of um.
0: She's laughing all the way to the bank. It's fine. Don't don't make that. She's case. working.
1: <laughs> what well, it was because you you mentioned Jane Campion, and yeah. I was thinking of Top of the Lake. Mm-hmm. She gives that incredible. Cause yeah. strange performance oh, I
2: know. that's the kind of role look at all filmmakers please write roles for older actors the way jane campion did in top of the lake for holly hunter because that was some fascinating shit
1: because yeah it just seems like such a looking at 87 i guess was it was a banner a year with raising arizona and broadcast news yeah. two of the best you know a great double and then you look at the filmography after that and i suppose there's the piano and
2: home for the holidays which she is genius in. Is that the fir- the film you... That's no, you were talking about a Christmas movie earlier. Oh, that was One Magic Christmas. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Home for the Holidays is actually a really great movie, directed by Jodie Foster, starring a, a never... I wouldn't say never better Holly Hunter, but that's not true. Never better afterwards, Holly Hunter. But yes, the piano, obviously. She's brilliant in. And now Superman versus Batman. <laughs> or Batman versus Superman. Let's try to find an actor who hasn't been in some sort of big budget franchise by this point.
0: Well, I'm going to go down to the mat always for Laurie Metcalf, aka Aunt Jackie, on Roseanne, Roseanne, who has had an amazing stage career. I think we're sort of touching on this, but it's like, there really aren't that many good roles for women over 40. And Laurie Metcalf is just like, fine, I'm going to do this stage work and maybe a very overwrought plea for a Hungry Children commercial. But other than that, I mean, (laughs) she... I, I, I have to turn it off it makes me I'm just like this is hurting me to I I want to like quit my job and fly and help this charity fly to wherever this charity is located to help them but. and shut the charity down and yeah. say
1: <laughs> <laughs> let yes. Laurie get on with her work
0: please <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah I mean she's she never really had much of a TV or movie career except for Roseanne, which was just Isn't such she a in indelible
1: internal affairs as well the um Mike Figgis movie with Richard gear, pretty sure she plays a kind of hard-bitten tech in that. I, and saw her, I
2: saw her on Broadway a few years ago in a very superficial David Mamet play called November, but she was just so hysterical in it. She just has such great presence. Yeah, I've always liked Laurie Metcalf a lot. I forgot about her. Good call. <laughs> but she never really had much of a movie career, yeah. right, stage and TV. Um, but that's what some of her best actors are.
1: Slightly different um thing to, you know, Wanting, wanting actors to have a comeback, but kind of casting against type. I watched Red Belt. You mentioned Mamet. Watched that recently, and Tim Allen playing kind of seedy, kind of gold bricking guy. And,
2: uh, you know, <laughs> Do we want Tim Allen come back, though? I'm not saying,
1: you know, I'm not going to... Stay g- down. G- Stay <laughs> <Yeah>. down. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just think it's interesting when someone's relaunched. All I knew Tim Allen for, truthfully, was, was Home Improvement. And it was nice to see him playing something completely different and off the wall in that film. I'd forgotten about him until very recently, which suggests he oh. didn't make that much of an impact. But
2: Strain- I, I like the way uh, you know, the mind works, where you suddenly think of these connections based on things you've never even thought of in your life. But because you brought up Tim Allen, I thought of the poster for a film called For Richer or For Poorer, where he and Kirstie Alley are recreating the American Gothic. Yes. Never saw the movie, but I do like Kirstie Alley very much. And I am looking forward to the Christie Alley comeback. What about Shelley Long? If we're talking about... Well, if we have to go there, obviously,
1: we prefer Shelley Long. Yeah, but, you know, that's someone we
2: want back. She might have peaked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Should we just go through the... Brutal! <laughs> the cast list of cheers, one by one. It's interesting how our kind of TV shows, you know, it launches a career of some, and it just doesn't really work out for others. Like Woody Harrelson had a fantastic film career. Yeah from cheers ted danson slightly mixed mm-hmm. and others have just disappeared off the map
2: well ted danson probably shouldn't have shown up in blackface at that uh, <laughs> event in 1993 just when his movie career might have been taking off when he and Whoopi made made in america at the behest of Whoopi goldberg i, I believe i
1: think they they workshopped it together i believe she apologized as well <laughs> yeah um again that, that's something that happened
2: <laughs> but i actually think about it every day because i have uh yeah, to post on I your have wall. the Entertainment Weekly cover where Ted Danson says, "I went nuts this year," framed um, <laughs> in my bathroom. So I, I literally think he's not in blackface. I on the literally, cover, th- <laughs> he's not. He's in. He's a very. It's a very serious portrait, black and white portrait, looking at the camera. So the people I think about every day include Ted Danson, Jason Patrick because he was on the cover of, which ties in very well to this topic because the idea of uh, when he was the cover of entertainment weekly was why it, it actually says why isn't jason patrick a star yet and i mean there are probably some good answers to that question but every day like, i see these these men gazing down on me and it's kind of sad
0: another sitcom casually i would say uh is jason alexander who is just could never break away from being george it's so sad to me that he had so much other stuff before that and then he tried having other stuff after that and it just people just always see him as george and like i wonder it's like what sort of hell is that like where you just walk around and everyone's like hey george like jesus christ it boggles my mind probably
1: pretty tough i mean i know violet you have some opinions on ricky gervais um And uh, you know, they're talking of the, the si- being bound by the sitcom and, yeah. and that, that persona that he cultivated mm-hmm. on the British office. And his film career hasn't necessarily taken off in a big way. Yeah. And there is a film adaptation of The Office planned mm-hmm. for April, um, which could be...
0: Michael just made a, a baby shitting face. <laughs> <laughs> just, and that's exactly how I feel about it too. <laughs> just why? Enough of the fucking office. Enough of, like, people looking at the camera and then explaining subtexts in, like, a fake documentary style. Like, no. None of that. Influential
2: in a bad way. Yeah. To return very briefly to Jason Alexander, I would rather be seen as George Costanza walking down the street than as the malevolent near-rapist that he played in Pretty Woman.
0: Fair point. As indelible.
2: (laughs) A role. (laughs) Michael
1: just dropped the mic, and Violet gave it straight back to him. (laughs) So here he is. (laughs)
2: Have we all seen Pretty Woman? He's the vi- Jason Alexander, the villain of Pretty Woman, and for many years watching Seinfeld, I couldn't get that image out of my head. And ready. then I finally accepted him as George Costanza about the fifth or sixth season.
1: But you you mentioned J- uh, Jason Patrick a minute ago, and he was really good in your F- Your Friends and Neighbors, a very nasty film by Neil Labute, which I think was the, around the time when he was. You know, after what was the first film? The Company of In the Company of the Men Company of Men. And he was and then there was Nurse Betty with Greg Kinnear, who's someone else who yeah. I think is capable of good things. See uh looking at something like autofocus but Oh, I like Paul Greg Kinnear. Greg
2: Kinnear and he's great in Fast Food Nation.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like Greg Kinnear And the last thing he was in, he was it was that heaven is for real. You know, the kind of b- b- increasingly the
0: Colton Burpo story?
1: Colton wasn't it Todd? Burpo.
0: No, the son the, the kid the, who went to heaven is Colton Burpo, which Colton is Colton Burpo. I can't believe I, my name is Violet Luca and I cannot believe that's a name. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Colton
1: Burpo. Colton <Gotten> Burpo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, heaven
2: heaven is for real. <laughs> I don't know who you guys are talking about, but yes. I but I like this name very much. <laughs>
1: what about child stars who what about the kid from Magnolia
2: um
1: oh he never acted again that was at the he w- has
2: one credit on i m d b and it's that movie and what a credit yeah he's he's jeremy Blackman was his mm-hmm. name he was wonderful um that happens a lot um there was some uh, the, uh, it reminded me of somebody else oh poor, uh, another p t a role the the kid from there will be blood
1: young Dylan Fraser who was never heard from again.
2: It's actually nice when child actors disappear for years when they can grow up and become people and then reappear later, like Gabby Hoffman has, which has been really, yeah. really nice. Um, you know, I saw her a lot growing up. She was in Field of Dreams and Uncle Buck and Sleepless in Seattle, and she was just this cute little kid. And now she's this kind of formidable, interesting character actress, great on Transparent.
1: And Anna Chlomsky from My Girl. Oh, yeah, her too. She's so great on
2: Veep? Veep. So, so funny on Veep. And then uh, Haley Joel Osment. Who is back. Who gives one of the great child performances of all time. I don't know if he's really back, though. And I meant AI, not six Sense, by the way.
0: So, unfortunately, we have to wrap it up. Uh, but uh, before we go, let's all go around and quickly, in the spirit of Last 10 Films, say one film we saw recently that we liked.
2: A recent movie that I saw that I loved. Well, I mean, I just always watch the same movies over and over again. Um, I w- oh, no, I saw something that I'd never seen before, which I liked a lot. The Strange Love of Martha Ivers which is a Barbara Stanwyck movie from 1946, directed by Lewis Milestone, which also has... L- this is the trio. This is the love triangle. Stanwyck, Van Heflin, and Kirk Douglas. You can't get much better than that. Um, uh,
1: Deep Cover. 1992, Lawrence Fishburne, Jeff Goldblum. One of the great early 90s crime thrillers. Um, I've watched it many times, and each time I see it, something new comes, comes up. It's a great film.
0: To end, I saw... Omar Fast Remainder starring Tom Sturridge who not he, he kind of really hasn't had a career he's just sort of like Mr. Sienna Miller but I really liked that film and I really like uh sort of the sleepy weird put a way that he talks to convey that he's ha- he's had some severe brain damage and sort of sort of recovered from it and I it's just like a nice little mind bendy time loopy thing that I'm a total sucker for so Anyway, thank you both for coming. Thanks for
2: having me. Thank you so much.
0: You've been listening to the Film Comment Podcast, produced by Violet Luca and Nicholas Rapold, with music by Greg Anji. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Film Comment is a bi-monthly magazine published by the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has featured in-depth interviews, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcommentcom slash subscribe to purchase a digital or print subscription to the magazine. Film Comment, at the heart of film culture for over